Welcome back to Auntie Please, where we are everything we want to be, nothing you want us to be, and so much more. We are back with another episode of Sexy Chats, where we dive into all things sex education, our bodies, and sexual health. This week, we wanted to think about what comprehensive sex education would actually look like. Yeah, I really feel like every day there's something that happens that makes me think like, wow, holy shit, we could benefit from a lot of sex ed right now. (laughs) So let's begin with definitions. According to the United Nations Population Fund, also known as UNFPA, Comprehensive Sexuality Education, or CSE for short, is defined as a rights-based and gender-focused approach to sexuality education, whether in or out of school. It is thought over several years providing age-appropriate information consistent with the evolving capacities of the young people. Comprehensive sexuality education includes scientifically accurate information about human development, anatomy, reproductive health, as well as information about contraception, childbirth, and sexually transmitted infections or STIs, including HIV. But more than that, it also encourages exploration and growth of your own sexual and reproductive life. Topics under CSE include family life, relationships, culture, gender roles, and also addresses human rights, gender equality, discrimination, and sexual abuse. Yeah. According to the International Technical Guide on Sexuality Education, ITGSE by UNESCO, it pretty much aims to equip young people with the knowledge, skills, attitudes, values that will empower them to realize their health, well-being, and dignity. Basically, to be able to develop respectful social and sexual relationships and consider how their choices affect their own well-being and that of others, and understand and ensure the protection of their rights throughout their lives. So, what is meant by age-appropriate sexuality education? Basically, it means that the content of CSE is dependent on the developmental stage um, and age of the child. So, the content covered would kind of match their age and comprehension so that it's always sort of relevant to what the child's going through. And this could be as simple as learning how to say no when you're not um, comfortable, which is pretty much consent, honestly. Yeah, 100%. So let's debunk some myths about sex ed and spill some straight-up facts from the UNFBA. Comprehensive sexuality education does not lead to earlier sexual activity or riskier sexual uh, sexual behavior. In fact, these programs reduce risky behaviors. About two-thirds of evaluations show reductions in targeted risky behaviors, and about 60% of programs had a positive effect on at least one behavioral or biological outcome, such as increased condom use or reduced unplanned pregnancies. Mm-hmm. Studies of abstinence-only programs are either inconclusive or show abstinence-only education um, to be ineffective. So delivering high-quality, like high mm. comprehensive sex ed requires a lot of training and support. Um, and it kind of it's important because you need to like address a lot of like gender and power issues that also leads to better health outcomes in the long run. Mm. And to be most effective, the curriculum has to be tailored towards the specific context of young people and their needs. And to be honest, I feel like it is going to differ where you come mm. from because a lot of the time they're like cultural aspects that like when it's in a big guide, you're not going to be able to understand. And I feel like, yeah, that's one thing that would get missed out. But it would be interesting to see the way that it, you know, would be applied to a Malaysian context if it was. And I think one thing that, like, you know, we miss out a lot when in, in the conversation is about how important it is to have engaged parents and communities as part of education. Like, it's one thing for schools to do it and our education systems to do it, which is a great place to start considering Malaysia has, like, next to nothing. But 
I feel like when you have parents and communities that, you know, surround the child and adolescent that is that are sex positive, um, I feel like there's it just creates such a better outcome in the long run. Yeah, that's so so true. Um, and we definitely need that for sure. So what are the actual conversations and educational content that need or should be covered? Don't stress because the ITGSE has already done all of that for us and has made it a lot easier for anyone globally to start their own sexuality programs in schools. So some of the first few things include things on relationships, so that's like your family, friendship, romantic relationships, um, you know, things about like respect and tolerance. Next is your values, rights, and culture and how that interacts with sexuality um, and also about like human rights and sexuality. Another thing is understanding gender and the fact that it is a social construct um, and also things about like stereotypes and um, gender roles and gender-based violence especially. And another one is violence and staying safe and being aware of that things like consent and um, also things on the internet as well. Yeah, 100%. And I think that, they, you know, it also involves things for like skills for our health and well-being, you know, things about peer influence on our sexual behavior, which, by the way, is so freaking pervasive, especially in the age of social media. Like, you know, I'm all for sex work and I am all for the protection of sex workers, but something that always gets left out from the conversation is the way that we talk about, like, sex and how that kind of grooms a lot of young children to, like, you know, go into the world of OnlyFans and sex work and then you kind of, like don't really realize all the like there's just so much to it and I feel like you know when you have a a curriculum like this it really helps like young people have open conversations about it I doubt Malaysia will get that far yet but that is my hope for the long run um (laughs) let's be realistic (laughs) it's like when I'm when I'm old and gray and freaking like Kane and it's like oh grandma I guess so you'll be there at the protest Um, and then, you know, other things that they also include in it are things like the human body and development, like really basic things like our anatomy, our physiology, things to do with like reproduction, puberty, body image. Cause I feel like everyone at work always calls me the vagina positive bitch because like, I'm just like, I will talk about mm-hmm. these things. Like you have to talk about it really normally. Like I was listening to a podcast today and, yeah. um, you always like hear parents talk about kids and like you know when you your first your parents first teach you how to watch wash your like private parts and your like vagina and your penis and it's always like just need to wash mm. down there all right just make sure you wash but then it's like but how and like what you need to do like how, do you need yeah. to open up certain parts you're, like you know those are things that like if you can normalize the <laughs> don't yeah, use soap like, don't use soap you know what I mean for young girls out there don't yeah use soap. don't be using all these feminine hygiene like problematic things yeah and it's like you know like exactly it's like you i feel like yeah a curriculum like that would be so good for us to actually better understand our anatomy and like look at it in a non-sexual way Mm. you know it's not always sexual um but yeah even you know the thing does include things like our sexual life cycle sexual drives as well as reproductive health so things like pregnancy pregnancy prevention um hiv and aids stigma care treatment support just you know a lot of things to do with stis as well so yeah lots of freaking amazing things yeah and so 
beyond what has been said by the ITGSE, here are some added topics and specifics that we feel are also necessary. So that's things about like personal safety. So that includes like predatory behavior, forms of abuse, bystander intervention. Also knowing the laws and your rights, especially because they can't really account for that globally. Um, but within your own country and within your own um um what is it like your within your own laws basically um knowing what the age mm. of consent is you know things around like child marriage around you know abortion laws laws about like sexual abuse and stuff and like how to go about about that because different countries have like d- different like legal systems so it's important to be aware of that and just like know your rights yeah. basically um another thing is survivor support for like wherever you are within your community or like within your um, state or country and like how to navigate that because it's a very traumatizing thing to go through and not having the right support and the right resources to help you process it and like um get through it is going to be quite it's quite difficult and I wouldn't wish it upon anyone um and another thing is yeah. it's like having like these complementary resources for parents that are also in line with the ITGSC so that parents can start having these conversations a lot easier at home because there's already a guide for them, you know, and that could be a bit more, like, culturally responsive as well, like, based on, like, your culture and, like, um, you know, whether it's, like, your ethnicity or, like, your religion and stuff, accounting for things like that. And the last one is inclusive sexual education. So that's for people who have different gender identities, different sexualities and different dis- uh, different abilities as well. Um, so these are all things that I just wish more people knew Growing up, and personally, in terms of like you know safety and things like that, I'm quite. I was quite fortunate that my parents were quite paranoid and also concerned about safety, which is great. <laughs> like it's made me a very conscious person about these things. Um, and you know, these were like regular conversations for me growing up. So it's great for me, but also I'm like it's. I still see a lot of people struggle with this and end up, you know in shitty situations and become survivors um so yeah wouldn't wish it upon anyone yeah yeah so especially that first one you talked about about like personal safety like Mm. literally didn't like a report come out like a few days ago where a headmaster of some religious school in Kelantan was pretty much arrested for like allegedly having like sex with a 15 year old girl for the last three mm. years by the way it's not even like oh a my God. one-time occurrence no, I like it literally that. just makes me it makes me like sick it makes me just like oh i just like can't and i and i really really feel like it's because you like young people in our in our communities like don't even understand that this is like not okay yeah and don't even understand boundaries and don't even understand consent and these are all things that you would get if there was, like, you grew up with some form of sex ed, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. Um, many people also think that abstinence programs work and are inf- effective, you know? And the thing about abstinence-only programs is that the amount of misinformation and inaccurate info that, like, you know, they talk about when it comes to sexual activity, STIs, or any other sexual health-related topic is just not great it's just continuously spreading of misinformation and this is harmful because like yeah but this is harmful because it's like you're not being honest about the realities of being a sexually active or inactive young person and one of the core features of abstinence only programs is withholding accurate and evidence-based information on healthy sexual behavior and being able to make informed choices because literally like if they had all the information 
then they would, you know, you're like, you're putting the onus back on the person again. Mm. And that's something that they don't want. So when you withhold, they're going to be like, oh, I guess, like, the assumption is that because you don't know, you won't do. When it's, like, mm. the completely opposite. Like, human nature is not like that. We yeah. know this. Um, and, um, yeah, because there's a difference between having all the information and still choosing to be abstinent um, until, you know, marriage or until you're in a committed relationship, whatever that is, that's your personal belief and your choice. But it's not because the systems in place are telling you that sex is bad or sinful or shameful and something that you, you know, should you be doing everything to prevent all of these things from happening to you. So, yeah, just the abstinence programs just simply don't work. People are going to be having sex regardless. People are going to be curious regardless. And you'd rather them be as informed as possible and be able to make educated decisions, you know, for their bodies and for themselves. Yes, yes, yes. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention, or the CDC basically, um, in the US conducted a review on 66 comprehensive risk reduction programs and 23 abstinence-only programs. And they found inconclusive evidence that abstinence-only programs helped young people delay sexual initiation. They also did not change other behaviors. On the other hand, the CDC did find that comprehensive programs ended up having a positive effect on adolescent behavior like sexual initiation, number of sexual partners, frequency of sexual activity, the use of protection, frequency of unprotected sex, STIs, and pregnancy. So basically, comprehensive sexuality education actually helps young people to remain abstinent or make more responsible choices. Yeah. Yeah, you know what they say, curiosity kills the cat. Like, you ever you ever tell, like, <laughs> young kids and teens to be like, don't do this, and they're going to be like, really? Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I will do the exact opposite. <laughs> That's, like, the worst way to get me to not do something. <laughs> so it's like, the second, you know, we leave young people out of the equation and assume we know what's best without letting them take ownership of their own well-being and bodies, you're setting up a whole generation of literally justified rebellion. So, peace. <laughs> clocking off, you know, and <laughs> and it's the same about, like, a lot of things in life, you know, from parenting to politics to, like, our educational in- institutions. Like, young people should and do have a say in how these things affect them, you know, and, like... There's such an urgent need for CSC in Malaysia. And I would always 150,000% argue yes. Because here are some facts that you may not know that pretty much freaking speak for themselves. One in 10 children are sexually abused. Like, I don't know. Like, I have yet to meet... Like, every single woman mm-hmm. I meet has been sexually harassed in some mm-hmm. way. Haven't met one person that hasn't. Yeah. And almost every other young girl that I've met has been sexually abused in their childhood in some at some point and it like it it's just one of those things that like as a, like a woman you're not you're not surprised you're just like yep shit's shit's effed mm. but when you when you when you're having these conversations around a lot of like um like the men in my life especially when they are straight mm. and cis like it like you know the the, the shock and horror yeah. on their faces when they realize how common it is and i'm like mm-hmm. yeah yep and, and yeah, and, you know, an, another stat is that, like, 10 people discover that they are HIV positive every day. And there's such a huge stigma around being HIV positive. And we actually don't even really understand the, like, ways that, like, there there's care, there's treatment mm. for it. So that you can actually, you know, be able to have sexual relations with people in a safe yeah. way. Um, anyway, 
it is what it is. This world sucks. But but it's like 45 teenage birth, teenage girls give birth every day. And on average, 18,000 Malaysian teenage girls get pregnant every year. A baby is dumped every... Has been dumped, actually, every two to three days for the last 10 years. And 15,000 children were married before the age of 19. So. Facts. <laughs> Straight up facts. It's like those sirens. <laughs> pew, pew, pew. <laughs> Um, but yeah, they pretty much speak for themselves. Like, you're right. And it's just, it's really shocking and it's horrific to think about these things. And, you know, these are the social ills, like one of the many social ills of our country. And and the thing is, it's very much preventable and we can very much do something about it. Um, but yeah, and the whole thing about CSE is that we want you to understand that these programs, it's all evidence-based. And this is what the research tells us. A 2016 review found that CSE leads to delayed initiation of sexual intercourse, as previously mentioned, decreased frequency of sexual intercourse, decreased number of sexual partners, reduced reduced risk-taking, increased use of condoms, increased use of contraception. I don't know about you, but that sounds like all the good stuff you want to hear. So why aren't we already implementing this? Hundred percent. I don't freaking know. And for me, like the, the one of the key things that you pointed out is reduced risk taking. You know, like mm. things like number of sexual partners. Like people always link that to like you know how quote unquote slutty you are yeah. or how loose you are or whatever. But for me, like the most important thing is like the risk that you're taking. Like, are you being yeah. protected? Are you actually having open conversations with your sexual partners about yeah. their sexual history and you know things like that? Like they're so important and. Like, on the flip side of this, like, programs that promote abstinence only have been found to be ineffective in, you know, delaying sexual initiation, which is, like, the prime purpose of these programs. You know, it doesn't um, reduce the frequency of sex. It doesn't reduce the, you know, number of sexual partners people have. Programs that combine a focus on delaying sexual activity, um, which includes content about condom use any form of contraceptive use are, you know, they're effective because then you actually, like, I just feel like if I had a better understanding of these things growing up as a teen and, like, even in my young teens, early adulthood, like, there would have been, like, less of a curiosity where I would, like, and, like, it's not, like, a healthy curiosity. It's, like, a risque curiosity, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. there's a difference when you're, like, doing things because you're interested in them and you want to explore them and you're being safe and you're doing things because, like you want to be, like, rebellious and you don't have the information to help you actually navigate those activities safely. So, yeah. yeah. And another thing to note about CSE is that it teaches us how to make informed decisions, communicate and negotiate effectively, and also demonstrate assertiveness. It helps you form healthy relationships with family members, peers, friends, romantic or sexual partners. And it also teaches you a lot about respect for yourself, your body, and that of others. Other than that, it also prioritizes empathy and understanding. Yeah. One great resource we recommend you looking into is the IG... ITGSE itself. Every time I say this, I feel like I'm saying like my IGCSE exams. IGCSE, no, yeah. <laughs> it's ITGSE. And it's a great place to start and it's available online. That's literally where we got our information from. And yeah. it's a great guide on sexuality education and can be used worldwide. Like it's learner focused. It's, you know, super self-reflective. And personally, like we both 
learn a lot from it like yeah. when when we're doing research and we're understanding about it and these are things that you can like start implementing in your life without the help obviously of like systems and education systems like if you're a parent then you can start having these conversations with your children if you're a friend you can start having open conversations about these things in your friendship circle because a lot of the times like peer to peer support is super important in actually like making you feel like you're not alone and you're not like weird in the mm. questions that you have in your head because guaranteed someone else is thinking about them um yeah yeah definitely so a message of hope <laughs> i am hopeful with where we're going with comprehensive sexuality education i think that we're definitely heading in the right direction and now more than ever young people are demanding um, comprehensive sexuality education to be implemented in schools and we need to remember that sexual health is physical health and it's not just for young people it's for everyone regardless of your age background socioeconomic status and so on so get on it you know encourage like don't you don't have to necessarily wait for schools to start implementing it, especially if you're not in school mm-hmm. like us anymore <laughs> um like you know start having this conversation with your peers your family um you know yeah. whoever that you think it's appropriate to do so it's it's something that can start with you and you can take it wherever you want to take it really um yeah so get on it yeah 300 percent. just check out our previous insta um post which has pretty much resources for sexuality education online that's it guys we know it's a lot of information but it is very much necessary and it's something we truly believe in for our country and our people, especially the people within our generation, to be like the trailblazers for this movement. I have that I have a lot of hope for. Um, yes. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Spotify at Auntie Please. You can follow me at Natasha J. Lama and Shaya at, at Shaya5. Bye! Bye!